0: Kick the field goal. It'll be Jason and Jinjel. Out of the hole of Mesko.
1: chatterbox sports studios it's off the bench with tom brenneman
0: bench i'm tom brenneman our show presented by udf united dairy farmers i am a hardcore follower and customer of udf it's the only business we have in the little town where i live and i feel like i know the lives the hopes the dreams of every single employee they have At our local UDF. They are the best. All right. We got off to a great start yesterday. Really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, We had some fabulous guests. My dad, Marty Brenneman. We had Tracy Jones. We had Brian Billick. But the big hit was Zim Hude. I mean, I understand this cat yesterday when we were sending out on social media. The hits on just his portion of the program a little link we sent out on twitter and that's at tom brenneman tv Um, and that's the same by the way for facebook instagram tom brenneman tv but zim who i told you that my, my son followed this cat like two years ago met him at a playoff game last year and then he comes on yesterday and was just awesome we're gonna have him on every single week all right what's on tap today Really excited about Brent Musburger, one of the most legendary voices in the history of television, not just sports television, but television, period. He's going to be joining us from his home out in Montana. Now, he tells us that where he is, he was born and raised in Billings, Montana. We'll talk about this all with him a little bit later, but he tells us he he has no Wi Fi there. I was just out in Montana. Back in uh, May, I think it was, I went to three cities in Montana, Missoula, Great Falls, and Billings for the Pioneer Baseball League, and uh, they had Wi-Fi. Brent's a big leaguer. He can do whatever he wants to do. All right, also on today's program, we're going to preview the Uni- uh, University of Cincinnati and their big game tomorrow against Arkansas with the voice of the Bearcats, Dan Horde. We'll talk a little Bengals with him, too, but also with James Rapine from Sports Illustrated who is all everything with the Bengals. So we got a lot going on. Now, last night, college football kicked off in earnest with a number of very intriguing matchups. Penn State-Purdue in the Big Ten, what an unbelievable finish. If you didn't see it, it looked like Purdue had it in the bag. And the one knock on teams that run the offense like Purdue does, with Jeff Brom there is, when you need to run the ball and you never run the ball. You can't win. You can't close a game out. They're throwing the ball on second and third down with three minutes left in the game when you're trying to run out the clock and seal the win. They couldn't do it. They punted away. Penn State goes down the field. Penn State wins a game. And by the way, led by Cincinnati's very own Sean Clifford from St. Xavier High School. What a great win for that young man. And for Penn State, Central Michigan, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State can score. They can't stop anybody. Central Michigan rips off, I think it was 22, 27 points in the fourth quarter to cover the spread. We'll cover that later. And then, of course, you had the Pitt-West Virginia game, which was the best game of the night. Again, West Virginia can't close the deal. Pitt, late pick Six. I mean, you couldn't even believe when the pick six return for a touchdown happened. You you just couldn't believe it. Now look, the real heavyweights will crank it up with some incredible matchups beginning tomorrow. Number 23 UC at number 19 Arkansas down in Fayetteville. Who will be the University of Cincinnati's starting quarterback? I don't think Luke Fickle's going to tell anybody until kickoff tomorrow. If you're a betting man, Ben Bryant, but you have the dynamic, former Ohio player of the year and Evan Prater. Can the UC defense hold up against this massive Arkansas offensive line? I mean, their quarterback, 6'4", 230. This is a rugged, tough SEC team program on the rise. Number 11, Oregon, goes to number three and defending national champion, Georgia. Oregon's in big trouble. The Ducks went on the road last year. They beat Ohio State. Great win. One of the biggest in program history. Bo Nix, their starting quarterback, transferred from Auburn. So he's played in the SEC. He knows the deal, okay, of what's going on in the SEC. So now moving forward, you look at some of the other matchups we have, right? You have the Florida Gators are hosting the Utah Utes. Now, many believe, including me, that Utah is a legitimate college football playoff contender. And to say that's rare out of the Big 12 would be a gross understatement. Florida, yeah. Ever since Urban Meyer left, they have been mediocre at best. They've gone through three, four, five coaches. Who knows? And last but not least, and I, 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 I got to tell you, I'll be up there, my wife, who is a Notre Dame alum, but I'm a Buckeye guy. We're lucky enough, thanks to my good friend Mark Miser up in Columbus, Ohio. We're going to the game tomorrow night. Number five, Notre Dame at number two, Ohio State, 730p at the Horseshoe. Do you think that joint will be rocking? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Tailgate City for about four hours leading up to kick? They will be primed and ready to go. The Buckeyes return three legitimate Heisman Trophy candidates on offense. They were the highest scoring team in college football a season ago. And for Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman, right? This guy was a linebacker. He was a star under Jim Tressel at Ohio State. So you can imagine what the emotions were would be like for him coming back there he says it's all about his team all about his players all about Notre Dame I get it okay but you can take it to the bank this will be the most watched game in all of college football this season you can book it now we're going to get to these a little bit later on in our picks okay but one thing we're going to do every Monday is I'm going to give you my top five in college football I don't care about the coaches poll I don't care about the media poll I'm going to give you my top five and before the games get started, because it wouldn't be right for me to pick on Monday, right? So we're going to pick today and then reload every Monday. So here you go. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Utah, Michigan will break them down team by team. Number one, who else would it be besides Alabama? They return the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback in Bryce Young. Many believe that the best player in college football is their defensive end, Will Anderson, Jr., is there a chance that cat could win the Heisman Trophy as a defensive player? Some will tell you, yeah. Some say he's the best player, period, in college football. Number two, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Highest scoring team in college football last year. They lose two receivers in the first round of the NFL draft, right? Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. okay? Yet many believe the guys they have coming back are going to be better than they were we'll find out about that heisman trophy candidates at quarterback cj stroud runner-up last year tradion henderson the running back and of course then smith and Jigba. this cat <laughs> i mean it's scary the big question for the buckeyes their defense they stunk last year on defense the only way you can say it so they they go out they bring in jim knowles I saw the Fox pregame show last night where Matt Leinart, the former Heisman Trophy winner uh, at USC, and he's on that Fox pregame show, he thought of all the coaches and the big-name coaching moves that were made, including head coaching moves, right? Brian Kelly to LSU, uh, Lincoln Riley to USC, blah, blah, blah. He thought Jim Knowles coming to Ohio State from Oklahoma State as defensive coordinator was the single biggest coaching move in football, college football, this past year. We'll see. A lot of pressure on him. Number three, Georgia. Last year, for the first time in 41 years, the Dogs won a national championship. One of the great stories last year. Walk-on quarterback, Stetson Bennett, leads him to a national title. He's back. Mentioned earlier, Georgia lost an all-time record, 15 players to the NFL draft. I know they got four- and five-star guys all over the place to replace him. But will they deliver the goods right from the get-go? Stepping out of the box here a little bit on number four, and that's Utah. Big, strong, offensive line, guys coming back. They return their quarterback. They return their star running back. They do lose a lot on defense, but let's be honest about it. I mean, the Pac-12 is brutal. Pac-12 has not had a college football playoff appearance uh, since 2016, everybody says USC is going to be great. We'll see. I, 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 I'm not buying that. Maybe down the road, not this year. Uh, so, if you talk and go on the road and beat Florida, and then you know their schedule's still tough out of conference, but in conference, they should roll. Number five, I had a tough one with this one because you got Clemson, you got Notre Dame, and then you have Michigan. Right? All the jokes are over about Jim Harbaugh. I think the guy is an incredible coach. Always have. Going back to his days at the University of San Diego, to Stanford, to the 49ers. I still can't believe to this day the 49ers cut that guy loose. Guy's a great coach, right? But the jokes were out there. Couldn't beat Ohio State. He did last year. Can't win a Big Ten. He did last year. They got to the college football playoff, and they got hammered in the semis. Now, they lose a lot of studs on defense, including Aiden Hutchinson. I think the whole quarterback thing's really interesting at Michigan. They got two guys. Harbaugh said he's going to start one of them the first week, the other the second week. Does that work? I don't know. We're talking about all these games when we do our picks a little bit later. A couple of other things caught my eye. Now, I realize Serena Williams winning the other night at 40 years young is old news knocking off the number two seed at the U.S. Open. But the thing that blew my mind, did you see the television numbers from that tennis match on a Tuesday night on cable television? Almost 3 million people watched. There'll be more than that when she plays in the next round. Okay? She's already knocked off the number two seed. She looked great. She got hammered in the second set she wins in the third set so off we go but 3 million people they had 30,000 people there at 11:45 at night major league baseball would be lucky to get a major league a big regular season game they'd be lucky to get anywhere close to that number and then one footnote from the NFL bad news for the Tennessee Titans and that's a good team under Mike Vrabel tough fun to watch Take it till you run the ball. But all of a sudden on defense, two days ago in practice, their outside linebacker Harold Landry tears his ACL in a practice. He's out for the year. Landry led the Titans with 12 sacks a season ago. All right. So we're off and running here on what's going on in sports. Coming up in a a little bit, we did a practice round on our picks. Right? Right? And let, let, let me bring in the crew here, our producers, Casey McAllister, Brandon hello, Guys, how are you this morning? Um, you know, uh, Brandon, you're not married. You're <laughs> single. Casey, you're getting married uh, next summer um, on a Thursday night, even at my age. And I've been married for, for, for 22 years. Last night might have been the first Thursday night uh, since before the pandemic that I wasn't having a few beers with my buddies um and and god did i miss it but i figured I, I had to be on my game but you don't have a job for two years you figure you, you know you get what do you got to worry about if you sound bad you look bad whole night i i, I sound 12 bad, ounce look curls bad, point i'm making here is is i think you guys i know brandon for sure you were having a few <laughs> cocktails watching football today does that mean you're struggling today or no
2: uh, we got the monster energy drink working some water we're
0: good we're good i was I you was, got that at udf
2: at udf of course Right, right in Oakley, right by the house. So you're hurting a little bit? Just a tiny bit. But I watched with my buddy who played at Pitt with Tyler Boyd, and Pitt had that awesome win last night in the backyard brawl. I'm 3-0 in the picks that don't matter. but So I'd you're
0: swear. already giving it away? Oh, I – I mean that, that that is a total just you know I teased how we how we did last night and you just well, crushed. Well, we can the find whole, out how you guys do. Casey, it. let me move let on to you. Um, he <laughs> just wants to rub it in. I, uh, and we'll, we'll get to all this nonsense in a minute. It Doesn't count anyway. But 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 Casey, I, I assume you were just diligently watching some college football. You and I were texting the three of us a little bit about the games and our picks and that kind of thing. So you just laid low, right?
3: Yeah, I just stayed at the house and you know just, just watched football.
0: Okay. It was fun to get college football started last night.
3: It was, yeah.
0: All right, so when we come back, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have Dan Hoard. And for those of you in Cincinnati, you know who Dan uh, Dan Hoard is. Uh, He is a great announcer. And we're so lucky here in Cincinnati to have him as the voice of the UC Bearcats, both football and basketball. And he's also the radio voice of the Cincinnati Bengals. He's had some legendary calls, especially last year. Uh, both for UC in their undefeated season and, of course, the Bengals winning the AFC Championship, going to the Super Bowl. So when we come back, Dan Hoare to talk about tomorrow's matchup, Cincinnati at Arkansas in Fayetteville. That's right around the corner on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Stick around. Welcome back to Off the Bench. I'm Tom Brenneman and uh, delighted on this college football Friday. To be talking to a guy who I'm telling you, now most of you in greater Cincinnati, you know the name Dan Hoard. For many of you watching elsewhere, you probably know the name Dan Hoard. We're lucky to have him in this town. I can't tell you how lucky he is. A play-by-play voice of both the University of Cincinnati football team and men's basketball team and the voice of the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Danny, you're getting ready to get wild and crazy here, young man. I hope you're ready to go. <laughs>
4: I am definitely ready to go. 75,000-plus tomorrow in Fayetteville, Arkansas. It's going to be a tremendous atmosphere. I don't know if the Bearcats are going to be able to get it done against a really good team, but it's certainly going to be fun to watch.
0: All right, I want to get right to this game. Well, you know what? I don't. Before we get to this year's team, I just want to tie a ribbon a little bit around last year's team. I mean, indescribable to put into words. Conference title, undefeated season, first non-Power 5 team to go to the college football playoff, but for you. And I know what it's like to sit up there in a booth, and and you go through the course of a year, whatever sport it is, and, and you take pictures in your mind, and you remember certain things. It might be a player. It might be a moment. It might be a game. It might be a bus ride. What stands out for you, if anything, above all else, last year for UC football? the amount of red
4: at Notre Dame Stadium when the Bearcats (laughs) knocked off the Fighting Irish. I never dreamed that Cincinnati could go to South Bend, look in those stands, and see... A third of the stadium packed with UC fans. Maybe it was more than that. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. And then, obviously, the game lived up to the hype. So if I had to pick out one moment from that incredible season, that would be it. Just looking out of the booth in that historic stadium and seeing all of those Bearcat fans seeing some of their greatest dreams realized.
0: Nails in the coffin, Danny. Nails in the coffin.
4: (laughs) Bam, 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 bam. bam,
0: bam. Desmond Ritter, uh, five-year player, four-year starter, 44 wins, the third most all-time in NCAA history. Uh, Now he's got to be replaced. He's gone in the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons. The styles of the two quarterbacks, Ben Bryant and the former Ohio high school player of the year out at Wyoming, uh, Evan Prater, could not be more different Who do you think gets a starting nod? Luke Fickle has not said yet who will start tomorrow in Fayetteville.
4: I think most signs point to Ben Bryant, but we'll see. Luke Fickle has surprised us before. Ben Bryant does have the advantage of having started college football games. One at UC, a very important game a couple of years ago against Memphis, and then obviously all of last year at Eastern Michigan, where he did an excellent job and led that team to a bowl game. So it seems like it's pointing in that direction but we'll find out at 3:30 Cincinnati time uh, tomorrow at Arkansas. I will say this, they're both going to play this year. It's highly unusual in this day and age for one quarterback to take every snap during the course of the season. So if it is in fact Ben Bryant, I know there are a lot of Evan Prater fans out there that are going to be disappointed by that but I'm pretty confident that Evan Prater is going to wind up playing a lot of snaps for Cincinnati if he is not the starter
0: on day one. The secondary was a huge part of UC success last year. Three of the four starters get drafted. It appears, you tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, that this is still a very talented and deep group. Agree or disagree? I agree. I think if you look
4: at the position group, that Luke Fickle has consistently excelled at in terms of recruiting, it would be the secondary. It seems like year after year, they're getting the top ranked guys or close to the top ranked guys in the state of Ohio, and they're getting good players elsewhere. So, it's hard to imagine there wouldn't be a little bit of a drop-off when you lose the fourth pick in the draft in Soss Gardner, a guy who never gave up a touchdown pass in his college career. <laughs> There's bound to be a little bit of a drop-off, but I think it's a little bit. I, I don't think they're going to plummet off the cliff. They really have talented players at that position, and they've got a true freshman named J.Q. Hardaway who's from – Alabama. At least he played his high school football in Alabama. He's uh, He grew up just across the state line. But in any case, I think J.Q. Hardaway ultimately is going to be a sauce Gardner-like player at Cincinnati. I'm not saying he's going to be the fourth pick in the draft, but I do expect him to have a great career, and he's going to play a role as a true freshman.
0: Uh, two other areas that appear to be very, very strong, at least on paper. Let's start with the receiving core, wide receivers and tight ends, because tight ends are a big part of this offense. There's no debate about that. Uh, they have to feel good about where they are at that, th- those two spots, right?
4: Correct. So they've got their two great speed receivers back from last year in Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott. Both of those guys have run four two nine forties, 40s so obviously they can stretch the field. They lost Alec Pierce, who's a great player. He's had a tremendous preseason camp with the Indianapolis Colts, and he is going to be difficult to replace. But one of the guys that I, I think will play that role, or at least approach that role, is Nick Mardner. He transferred in from Hawaii. He's 6'6". He averaged nearly 20 yards a catch last year for Hawaii, and this isn't on a a tiny sample size of like 12 catches. Mm. He had more than 50 catches last year and averaged nearly 20 yards a catch. He was in the top five in the country in that category, and they've got depth beyond those guys. So I think the wide receiving group is deep and good, and then you uh, alluded to the tight ends. Josh Wiley is back. He's finally healthy. He's a future NFL draft pick. Lenny Taylor could be a future NFL draft pick. And Shaman Mateer is the next Bearcat tight end name to learn. Uh, he redshirted last year, but he was tremendous in spring football. And I think they start to work Shaman Mateer uh, into the rotation
0: this year as well. Now, the offensive line, it's amazing for a team with the success they had last year. All five guys are back. But 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 I've recently read here, uh, uh, Danny, that 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 doesn't necessarily mean all five of those guys are going to be starting again this year. Uh, I've read so much about this young man, Joe Huber, who was a walk-on and looks like he's going to be the starting right tackle. But, but, but that group, um, however they mix and match, and some guys look like they might be changing positions coming into this year, with all of that in mind, d- d- does this group have a chance to be better than the group last year? Uh, It certainly has a chance
4: to be better, partly because of the depth that you're talking about. I mean, when you've got all five starters back and they're not guaranteed of having those starting jobs again the following season, that speaks to the depth. And I'm also really intrigued by their new offensive line coach, Mike Cummings. He comes from Central Michigan, a MAC program, where he was developing – first-round draft picks, including the number one pick overall in Eric Fisher years ago when he was the offensive line coach there. They had two high draft picks last year on the offensive line at Central Michigan, so he is a really good proven coach. I'm interested to see what he might be able to get out of this group. That's nothing against Ron Crook, who did a great job as Cincinnati's offensive line coach in recent years, but you know, every coach does things a little bit differently, and maybe Mike Cummings can bring some things
0: out of some of these guys that we haven't seen before. All right, last couple of questions. I want to focus on Arkansas. This was a doormat. What did they, they didn't win an SEC game, I think, for a couple of years there, right? They won a total of four games overall, something along those lines. Then all of a sudden last year, they win nine games, they beat Texas, They beat Texas A&M. They beat LSU. They go to the Outback Bowl. They beat Penn State. They love to run the ball. Now, I know they'll throw it because they have a returning starting quarterback, but they love to run it. How do you feel about UC's chances of stopping the run? How do they feel about their chances of stopping the run?
4: I think that's the game, Tom. Arkansas led the SEC in rushing last year. They were one of the top rushing teams in the country, but they're not like a triple option team where all they do is run, so it kind of skews the stats in that direction. This is a team that has balance, but it begins with the run, and it begins with their size. I think if you look at Arkansas, it seems to me maybe it was a calculated thing on the part of their head coach, Sam Pittman, where he looked at the SEC landscape and said, you know what? We're never gonna be able to run with Alabama. We're not gonna be able to run with Georgia, or LSU, or fill in the blank. So what do we do that's a little bit different? How do we zig where everybody else zags? I think what they've done is just gone huge, beginning with their quarterback, KJ Jefferson, who's 6'3", 245. He's, He's like a Ben Roethlisberger, a young Ben Roethlisberger that can run before he got beat up. So the line is huge. The quarterback is huge. The backs are big. That is Arkansas. That was the key to the resurgence last year. Sam Pittman is a former UC assistant coach back in the Rick Minter days. He's done an unbelievable job. Mm -hmm. You know, when he took over, he joked that we couldn't win the pep rally a couple of years ago. Well, they're winning more than pep rallies now. They've got the whole state excited about that program, and it's going to be a very hostile environment for the Bearcats to uh, try to overcome tomorrow.
0: All right. Uh, You had said or made reference very quickly when we first said hello, that you're not sure the Bearcats can get it done. Why?
4: Just because of how good Arkansas is. I think Cincinnati's really going to be good this year. I'd be surprised, frankly, if they lost more than a couple of games. Uh, it's going to be hard to go undefeated in the regular season, though, for the third consecutive year. That's just mathematically hard to do. And when you open on the road against the top 25 SEC team that's got a really good quarterback back, your backs are against the wall. I'm not mm-hmm. saying Cincinnati can't win the game. I won't be shocked if they win the game. But I do think it's going to be a very difficult win to, a game to win. Uh, but Luke Fickle wins a lot of difficult games, so we'll see.
0: Well, that brings me to the final topic before we let you go, and that is Luke Fickle. Um, I think it's safe to say that everybody and his brother out there, and, and I'm just talking not only locally but nationally, assumed that Luke Fickle was gone at the end of last season. Are you surprised he's still at Cincinnati?
4: No, I'm not and he could have had any of the high-profile jobs that was available last year, and there's probably never been a year where so many good ones were available. He could have had USC. He could have had LSU. He probably could have had Notre Dame. His integrity stood in the way of him even interviewing for any of those jobs. I think all of those schools reached out to his agent and his agent passed along the word from Luke that, you know, maybe I'd be interested in talking, but I'm not going to do it while my team is potentially in the running for a national championship. And as you know, schools don't wait. They they think it's so important to get that extra month of recruiting in or whatever it is that they're not going to wait for for Luke Fickle or anybody. So it worked out well for UC. I'm not saying he would have left, I think. He would have been interested in Notre Dame, certainly, Uh, but it worked out in Cincinnati's favor. And I I just think there's a very, very small list of schools that he would even consider leaving for. Obviously, if Ohio State comes open, Mm -hmm. he went there, he played there, he's from Columbus, that would be a natural. But aside from that, I, I don't think there are many schools that he would even consider.
0: Well, Danny, can't thank you enough for joining us here on our first big uh, college football Friday, the Bearcats and the Razorbacks from down at Fayetteville. Safe travels, my friend. We will catch up down the road, I hope, to talk UC and uh, a little Cincinnati Bengals because I think they're a week and a half out from getting started as well. So, Danny, thanks. Safe travels.
4: My pleasure, Tom. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right, again, it'll be the Bearcats and the Razorbacks, and that'll be on ESPN. Saturday afternoon. I can't watch it. I can't wait to watch it. I think UZ is going to go down there and win. I think they're going to win. But we'll see. It's a big time challenge. We'll be back with more off the bench right after this. All right. Welcome back to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. Our maiden voyage yesterday, week two today. So if you weren't with us yesterday, what we're going to do, Brandon, Casey, me every week is we're going to pick well three four college games and once the pros start next week three four pro games we're going to have a running total all year long of a season record okay i'm putting up i haven't decided if it's a thousand two thousand but it's going to be a nice chunk of change the guy with the best record at the end of the year um, is a donation to their charity of choice fair enough so um we did our preseason yesterday. Okay? These don't count on the records. Ooh. We'll get to those in a second. So we had seven and a half. I took pit, Casey took pit, Brandon picked <laughs> West Virginia, and the Mountaineers cover by what, a half a point? Half a half point. A point.
2: Let's go. Okay. Let's go, Mountaineers. That semester and a half paid off. Yesterday. I was glad
0: West Virginia won. I mean, I picked Pitt, but I'm glad West Virginia won. I, I, I love that place. And I don't like Pitt. All right, uh, second game we had. Minus three and a half. This should have been a win for uh, Tom Brenneman. It wasn't. Uh, it was a win, however, for Casey. And Brandon goes to 2-0. and o. Casey at 1-1. One and one. I am uh, flounding around uh in a puddle full of vodka somewhere at oh and two it's not good and That's i don't like stuff. vodka. Ooh, i don't nice. like sleeping in vodka <laughs> um and then number three How about we this? had oklahoma State. this was a game this was I, nuts. you know right. we're all on this little text saying and 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 i watch the first what four minutes oklahoma state goes right down the field they score a touchdown and I'm like, forget it. And Casey texted me, score was like, what was it? You, you sent so, me, it was like 37 to seven or something stupid.
3: Yeah, so they ended up getting blown out. Well, Is your well mic I, on?
0: Yeah. It's All, okay. On. Okay. All yeah. right, okay, I wanna make sure, okay. Yeah,
3: we, we ended up at one point, seven to 37. And this was going into like the half or something like that. Then by a time, thir- end of the third quarter, it's 14 oh. to 51. I'm thinking, oh, I got this in the bag. I I, I made a great pick here. I, I all of a sudden the shipwalls just go. come raging back out of nowhere. I'm like, how is this possible? How did they allow that much? I, I just can't believe it, honestly. 21 I, they they need Jim Knowles back. Honestly. If they, they want to continue to stay up in, they do. in in the in the power rankings in the top twenty five, they're gonna need Jim Knowles.
0: All right, so uh, I uh, come away with a win there. Casey a loss. Brandon a perfect preseason record, three and zero. And you know, at the end of the day, it's just it like the matter. NFL yeah. preseason three and zero record doesn't mean shit. I mean, it doesn't mean <laughs> anything because now we're going to uh, we're going to the big leagues. Here we go. All right, we begin with the game we just talked about with Dan Hord, biggest game here, uh, obviously in Cincinnati. Uh, you have the Bearcats on the road, a six-and-a-half-point dog. If I'm not mistaken, that is down from about eight-and-a-half uh, a week ago. Heavy money going on Arkansas. I am going to take the Cincinnati Bearcats. I think they're going to be – a matter of fact, I, I would money line them to win the game. But certainly to cover six-and-a-half. Casey,
3: what are you doing? I'm picking Arkansas. Boo. Uh, I, wow. Boo. I did not get over the fact that he has not named a starting quarterback yet. I, I'd feel much better about picking Cincinnati if he did. Okay. But to me, it from an outsider's perspective, it seems like oh, I haven't found a guy because there isn't a guy yet. That's how I feel about it. I might be wrong, but that's well, just what my guts telling me.
2: Okay. All right. You got
3: to trust. You got to
2: trust Fick. Yeah, Fick, I agree. Fick knows what he's doing. I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking the cats. I don't well, know. If, you're going to pick this. them all
0: year long. You're an alum. I mean, well, wait
2: till we get to OU with you. Right, we know how this, yeah, how this song yeah. and dance
3: works. Well, that's a real program.
2: And I'll say this. I hope I'm the wrong. The Bearcats. I the really hope University
3: I'm wrong. But until I see it, I, I can't pick okay. you, All right. I think Ben
0: Bryan ends up the starter. I think that's a safe bet. Uh, I think they got some packages in there for Evan Prater. Um, that's going to be a good game. And again, uh, okay, three thirty, ABC tomorrow. Oregon ranked eleventh goes on the road to battle Georgia. That uh, that is a seventeen point spread now. Yeah, I still like the dogs. Uh, Bo Nix, I mentioned earlier, was a quarterback at Ar- uh, at Auburn the last couple of years. Uh, you know, a lot of people beat him up. Uh, I thought the, the the kid did a nice job at Auburn. They're limited compared to the to, to the big boys, but he knows the whole drill. Um, he'll he'll do okay. But Georgia, uh, Casey, what do you think?
3: Um, I actually have Oregon on this one. Wow! Uh, surprising enough, when I was doing some research on this game, Dan Lanning, their defensive coordinator last year for Georgia, is yep. now Oregon's new head coach. Yep. And I kind of think, you know, the, the gap might close in a little bit there, just having that little edge, knowing the defense. I know George's definitely got the talent, um, way more talent than Oregon. But I think maybe, just maybe, they'll be able to cover the spread here. Okay.
0: That's a big number, 17. Casey?
3: Yeah. Oregon's got cool uniforms. You
2: guys are forgetting this. They got some cool uniforms. Their
0: uniforms are tired.
2: Come on, golly!
0: All the young people like those uniforms. I'm, I'm I mean, on come 30. on! Come young? on! All right, uh, Brandon, who are you picking?
2: The Ducks. That's that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. I we're cannot. Go- believe we're going you with guys. the Ducks. Uh, well, and you had to do that pick because Trace Fowler, our boss, is a big no. Dogs fan. That's I don't like had- Georgia. I know, but you had to no. do it for him.
0: No, I don't. I don't <laughs> like him. Uh, but I give him their credit, and they got studs. The games in Atlanta. It's going to be, Oregon went to Ohio State last year. So look, I I give him credit for that last season. All right. Um, This is the big one. This is the big one. I can't wait to get there tomorrow. Our son has a high school golf tournament tomorrow, and and so we're going to that first. But I'd get up there at 9 o'clock in the morning tomorrow if I could. I can't wait. Notre Dame in the horseshoe against the Ohio State University. That number sits at 17. I am taking the Buckeyes to cover that, perhaps double that spread. What do you think, Casey? Uh,
3: So I'm picking Notre Dame. Um, Do you have a family member that went there or something? I just (laughs) just ticked off
0: my wife. She went to Notre Dame, so she's ticked (laughs) at me already.
3: No, I don't have a a, a family member that went there. I've got a lot of family that love Notre Dame. They're going to be sad tomorrow night. They're they're probably going to be sad that they're going to lose. I'm picking Notre Dame just to cover the spread. I learned my lesson with Oklahoma State. I just can't do these big spreads, man. I mean, like 17 points. What's going to end up happening, This is the real OSU,
2: though.
3: Yeah, but, I mean, what's going to happen? OSU is going to probably be up 7 to 35, something crazy. And then they're just going to let them slowly chip away at that lead. Not a chance. We'll
2: see. We'll see. That's
0: your pick. Brandon, you're going with the Bucks. Yeah,
2: I th- my personal spread's 24. I don't think 17's enough. That offense is going to have a field day against Notre Dame. Well, I, I love know. Marcus Freeman. I do, too. But I think they're going to have a tough night. I
0: do, too. And, 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 and I like all the things, by and large, through the history of that program that Notre Dame has stood for. And, um, and, and I admire him, I respect him, I really like Marcus Freeman. But, uh, boy, Ohio State's loaded. Loaded. Okay. Um, I have Utah in my top five. Uh, they're going on the road to the, to what do they call that place? The swamp. The swamp. It's been a swamp for coaches down there since Urban left. Um, all right, Utah. And that spread is three. I think this is a slam dunk. I take the Utes all day, every day. Casey.
3: I am taking Utah as well. Um, mainly because uh, what's at stake for them? Like, if we want to take the Pac-12 seriously, they have to win this game. Honestly, that's, that's You're just right. it. You're right. And if they don't, then, you know, that's just a whole other year without Pac-12 being the playoffs. So that's my only reason for picking them.
0: Hey, by the way, uh, Casey, uh, somebody, um, uh, Nathan just wrote in on our um, YouTube feed. We got know. some great comments, by the way, and said, Casey, what are you doing? <laughs> Arkansas?
2: All right, Brandon. You like the Florida? Let's go Gators, Gators baby! Just it's going to be a tight game, close game, close game. Gators are going to do some good here, just a little bit. Just, just a little th- bit. they don't have to win. Just, it, it, just. they I have know. so many issues. I know.
0: I know. I, it just blows my. I mean, I'm I'm not kidding. Urban Meyer is a friend of mine. I know some of you don't like him out there. That's fine. We've been friends for a number of years. Um, and, and look, like me. And, and everybody else, he's had his issues, especially over the last year in the pro thing. And, you know, I, look, I get it. But he's a great football coach, college football coach. And um, I, I just have a hard time understanding the athletes you can get at Florida. Since he left, how they have struggled so mightily just to just to be a, a three loss or four loss team. Right. Every year. All right. Um, what else we got up there? We decided we were going to throw in some of the local teams. This is a 16-point spread. Miami is supposed to be good this year. There are a lot of people picking them to play in the Mid-American Conference Championship. So this is no pushover. But Kentucky is building something, in my opinion, very special down there in that football program. I mean, you got John Calipari, who uh, uh, made that comment a couple weeks ago. It's a basketball school. Stoop says, hold on a minute. You look at what he's doing down there. He's got it going on. I take the Kentucky Wildcats at minus 16. Casey?
3: I also will take Kentucky. Um, I think it's a battle of the quarterbacks, honestly. Uh, I think we have two good defenses, um, stout running games. Um, But in the end, I think UK just has more talent than Miami. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think they'll cover. It'll be close. It'll be really close, but I'm taking UK. Yep. Wildcats get it done.
2: What is 16? We said, yeah, that's, that's easy. I, I got a lot of friends that went to Miami. Some friends that played at Miami. I just, I just cat that I get off to a strong start down there. It's still Kroger field down there. I think it is. I don't know what it is.
0: I like that campus. So yeah, I, I really like that president, that university president, my old roommates, that guy who, uh, is a host on Fox news, Bill Hemmer. He mm-hmm. and I worked at channel five year old stomping ground. Yep. Brandon. we were, we were roommates for a couple of years. And, um, during the pandemic on his show, and, and, and I should have looked up this guy's name ahead of time, but their, their university president was on all the time uh, during the pandemic. I, I really like that guy. That's it, it, turned into a beautiful campus down in Kentucky. Uh, okay. Um, last but not least, we're going to have them every week since <laughs> they really have our state. At the end of the day, this is the Ohio's university. Correct. Not yeah. Ohio State. They may have patented that thing. But the oldest school in the state of Ohio, in fact, the oldest school west of the Allegheny Mountains in the United States of America, founded at 1804. What an intro. Is the Ohio University hosting uh, or, or taking on Florida Atlantic, four and a half points spread. Uh, I was really disappointed in the Bobcats last year uh, after all the great years under Frank Solich. He retires. New coach comes in there. Uh, I went to homecoming for the first time since I left school. And and they just lost so many close games, and now they've lost a bunch of players. Uh, But I'm still taking them, and so is Casey, and so is Brandon.
2: The clean sweep. I almost went to OU. I almost went to OU.
0: Well, let me tell you something,
2: pal. If you
0: were going hard at West Virginia.
2: Those two, those two schools. Obviously, I, 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 the backstory is I made it a semester and a half at West Virginia. Well,
0: you wouldn't have lasted that long at Athens. No, that's I, where that's where the big boys. Spent
2: have. a couple weekends there. On, what's the main street called? Is that? Court Street. Court Street. Fun yep. times. Yes,
0: yes. The place to be though this weekend is High Street in Columbus, Ohio. Yep. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to hear from Luke Fickle. We're going to hear from Ryan Day. Uh, More on their matchups. And, of course, still to come, we have James Rapine. He's all everything for the Cincinnati Bengals. This guy uh, has built an incredible following with Sports Illustrated. We'll talk with him about what's going on down there um, as the Bengals are 10 days away, nine days away from their season opener home game against the Steelers. And later in the show, the great Brent Musburger. This is Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Coming up next. Ryan Day and Luke Fickle. All right, we're back on Off the Bench. Uh, We're doing a lot of promoting of our high school football coverage here on Chatterbox Sports and rightfully so, because really that's where this company got started. For those of you in and around Cincinnati, you're familiar with this. We do anywhere from seven to 10 games every Friday night. We run the whole thing and try to present it to you uh, like it's watching a, a college football game on Fox or ESPN or ABC, CBS, whatever. Uh, we have great sponsors. Uh, the, the, the the game day show is phenomenal. Uh, you got to check it out. Uh, our, our coverage tonight highlighting a big rivalry between uh, Loveland and Milford. Uh, love those two schools. Uh, I don't live far from either one of them. But you got Reed Mouse, You got Paul Fritschner calling to play-by-play. Tony Pike, of course, former uh, great quarterback at Cincinnati, Ty, Brad Shaw, Sean Spurlock, the whole crew, Trace Fowler, everybody out there. They're setting up right now all day long. And uh, that video that we've shown you a couple of times was from our season opener, which was two of the top five, ten teams in the state of Ohio. Lakota West rallies late to beat St. X. Great game, great coverage. And all of our coverage begins later tonight with our game day show. So we invite you to tune in. I want to dive a little bit more into uh, the two big matchups that have local ties here, uh, if you will. And let's start with Cincinnati. The biggest win in Cincinnati football history was last year when the Bearcats went on the road and beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Um, it, 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 they just dominated Notre Dame. Uh, it was a tight game near the end, but... UC proved that they were going to be a team everybody better look out for. And, of course, that turned out to be true, reaching the college football playoff. First uh, non-Power 5 school to ever reach the college football playoff. Uh, But a huge win. Now they go on the road to the SEC. Where, look, I've been to games at Notre Dame. And and, and it's one of the most phenomenal settings for college football anywhere. There's no doubt about it. it. It's unique beyond description. But when you start going down to some of the schools in the SEC, LSU, especially LSU, but Arkansas is right there, man. Uh, It is insane. They don't have a pro team in the state of Arkansas. It's all about the Razorbacks. And Luke Fickle was asked about, you know, what he's facing and what his players are facing tomorrow.
5: I can't. Exactly, tell them because I've never been there. Uh, obviously, I've you know heard and, and talked to a lot of other people, um, but it's one of those things. that's hard to prepare for, you know, because you know it's kind of twofold. Like I said, you, you know, there's a lot of other things that you got to prepare for as well. And sometimes the atmosphere is one of those things that uh, you know that sometimes gets in the second, you know, secondary, just because you know with the younger team you got to have some really good practices, but. I know that uh, after the the uh, the playoff game last year, I think I didn't do a good enough job at preparing our guys for the environment, and the atmosphere. So I think that uh, we've used that and, and how we kind of started that game as something that we know we got to get better at. Um, so it's been since January, whatever that was, second, third, fourth, coming back, talking about how do we get better. It about it had been about handling the atmosphere and the environments that we're going to play in, thinking about it being week one. Uh, I didn't tell them it was about week one, but it was really about, hey, let's let's make sure we understand this even all the way back from January 2nd. We're talking about how we prepare for, for September 3rd.
0: So those are the comments made by Luke Fickle. Boy, the difference in that guy, just the way he handles himself since the day he got here. He, you can tell he's very comfortable in, in his skin, in his job, in his staff, in the university, in his players, in the program. Uh, I, I don't know how you don't watch that guy for however long that was, a minute, 45 seconds, uh, you just watch that clip and you know that, that this guy's on his game. Does that mean they win tomorrow? No, but he's on his game. I remember three years ago. Now keep in mind, Urban Meyer during his days as a college football head coach, think about some of the guys he had as his offensive coordinator, okay? Dan Mullen going back to uh, his Florida Gator days, who later became the head coach at Florida, but an incredible offensive mind. Tom Herman's fallen out of favor with a lot of people. He went down to Texas as a head coach, um, and it didn't work out. But the guy he said to me was the best offensive mind that he's ever been around, and one day would be a great coach, is Ryan Day. Ryan Day is starting his fourth year at Ohio State. He is 34 and 4. He is 23 and 1 in the Big Ten. That lone loss last year, and, and he will talk about it up front and honest, uh, killed him losing to Michigan last year. Only game he's lost in three years in the Big Ten. Um, he's gone 13 and 1, 7 and 1 in the pandemic. First two years goes to the college football playoff. Loses in the semis the first year, loses in the final the second year. Last year, they go to 11-2, and and they win the Rose Bowl. But one of the big things that has hurt Ohio State, really over the last decade, from time to time when they play these big schools out of conference early in the year, case in point, Oregon last season in Columbus, the Buckeyes have stubbed their toe. Ryan Day was asked about that as they're getting ready for Notre Dame yesterday. No, I haven't really talked about that at all. Um, it's just been about this team, and it's about Notre Dame and, and Ohio State. You know, and we're playing a game on Saturday night, and um, you know the best team's going to win. So, I uh, hadn't really thought or talked about that at all. Um, you know, we need to do a great job of uh, you know understanding that this is a big game, and uh, playing with emotion, not letting emotion play with us, and being able to you know, play with great physicality, but also understand that, uh, you know, we have to have poise and be able to focus and avoid distractions going into the game. So, um, you know, we know when this one's coming for a long time, this has been a
1: huge build up and we're obviously obviously excited for this one. All
0: right, so that's head coach Ryan Day. And again, that's a 7.30 PM kickoff tomorrow night in Columbus, Ohio State host Notre Dame. I understand we're having some technical difficulties for those of you that were with us on YouTube. And you go to YouTube, uh, and then search Chatterbox Sports, and that's where you find us. But I understand we're having some issues there with YouTube, so bear with us as we walk through this. I want to thank everybody who's writing in during the show uh, today. We've gotten some great comments by Steve, uh, Brad, Rich, Daniel, um, and 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 Cincinnati Jungle Twenty Three, whoever that is. Uh, just said this show is every day. Yep, it's every day, every single day. From 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time. But uh, look, I, I'm an old man. So um, I, I'm trying to come to grips with uh, so many of you out there. And I'm grateful beyond description that, that, you know, all the content you want, you're getting it off your phone or your computer and you're streaming. You watch it anytime you want. Listen to it anytime you want. And um, so you can do that on our show every single day. You want to catch it later? We got some good stuff on here. Still to come when we return, James Rapine from Sports Illustrated will be talking to Cincinnati Bengals as they're getting ready for next Sunday's season opener at home against division rival Pittsburgh. And later in the show in about, uh, about a half hour, 25 minutes, the legendary broadcaster Brent Musburger. You're off the bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers on Chatterbox Sports. We're right back. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench. I'm Tom Brenneman, presented by United Dairy Farmers. And our Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies, great local company providing IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services with mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation becomes here. Well, the path to following the Cincinnati Bengals for a number of years now, you've heard him on the radio here locally, does great work for Sports Illustrated, and a pleasure to be joined uh, on the program here by James Rapine. James, how are you, man? How's everything going? I'm surprised you're not slugging around outside of, uh, what is it called now, Paycor Stadium over at the practice field there?
6: Yeah, I've spent plenty of time uh, outside of Paycor, And you got it right. I've said it wrong a ton. It's going to take a little getting used to but no really excited for the season and i appreciate you having me
0: i i brought up something yesterday and and maybe only uh you know halfway through our second show people are 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 tired of hearing me say it and and i've gone on record as saying i don't like it but um it doesn't matter whether i like it or not And, and and that is this i don't like the fact that not a single Bengal starter outside of a rookie guard has played a snap in the preseason. Do you think that's a big deal? What are your thoughts on it? You're around this team every single day.
6: I think they planned on playing some starters. And the moment Joe Burrow had that appendectomy, they said, well, what's the point of playing Joe Mixon or T. Higgins or Jamar Chase or even a Hayden Hurst, these new offensive linemen? if burrow, isn't going to be the one under center. So they weren't going to play these starters a lot, but I think that had a big part of it is they were like, okay, well, if burrow isn't playing, should we put any of this offense at risk? And so instead of playing the rest of the guys for a series or two, maybe in that week two preseason game, I think that would have been the one that they targeted pre burrow surgery. They, They opted to play it safe. Now, could that mean a little rust for some of these guys, especially a guy like Lyle Collins, who, mm-hmm. outside of two team practices, hasn't done much in 11 on 11s? It might. But, but overall, if you're, you're telling me that these starters can be 100% healthy going into week one, I think that is much uh, more important than playing starters for, again, what would have been probably eight to 10 total snaps in the preseason.
0: All right, James, walk me through and everybody else through where Joe Burrow is right now. They've said he's going to be set and ready to go for week one next Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You see it that way, too? No
6: doubt about it. Joe's look great. It's, it's kind of wild. I wonder what he looked like pre-appendectomy on July 26th because he said he was feeling really, really good and, and throwing the ball as, as well as he had thrown it and you know, just physically uh, really in shape and ready to go for the season. In his first practice back, he looked like he should look in mid-August and has looked like that for for most of camp since returning. So I think he's looked great, and I think he's recovered from that. But the after effects, you know, he lost some weight, of course. I think he's still trying to get all of that weight back. I think it's close. If you look at some pictures of him a couple of weeks ago compared to now, I think he's certainly putting on that weight. He'll be ready to go. Will he be where he was, say, July 20th. I don't know about that, and I, I don't know if he's gonna feel like that at all this year, just because once the NFL season starts, you know it, there's gonna be a bunch of mm-hmm. bumps and bruises. But overall, I think he's pretty close uh, to, to as healthy as he can be considering the circumstances.
0: I want to circle back. You mentioned Lyle Collins comes over from the Cowboys as a free agent. Uh, the, the Bengals made huge news, did a great job during the off season in firming up that offensive line. Uh, but because they didn't play in the preseason, outside of of Collins and him not playing well in the 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 the, the two days there against the Rams uh, when they were leading up to the the final preseason games, uh, the rest of those guys look good, ready to go. That they brought in,
6: they do, they do. Yeah, I think Ted Karras has been a huge addition to that room, and I, I think he's uh, he's kind of been the one that's kind of set. The tone a bit. I know uh, early. I I believe it was in OTAs. Actually, he was asking a bunch of the trench players, offensive line, defensive line, if they wanted to come over and watch. uh, I think it was MMA or boxing, one of the pay per views on a a Saturday night. So he's certainly building up that rapport with those those guys in the trenches. And he's a veteran, and and you bring veterans like that in, guys that have won Super Bowls. Him and Alex Kappa both winning rings in New England and Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, and and they know what it's like. They know what it feels like, and. So I think the guy that benefits most outside of Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. I mean, I I think he's going to have running lanes that he hasn't had as a pro. And especially on that right side, you got Alex Capolell, Collins. Those are two nasty dudes in the run game. So both Joes should have a smile on their face this season.
0: Um, T. Higgins, uh, the sad news that his father passed. Um, What can you tell us about? That whole situation uh, funeral arrangements unquestionably being made uh, him leaving the team do they have any idea when I, I I know they're giving him all the time he wants but do they have any idea when he might be back I certainly this
6: coming week I, I would I would anticipate him coming back and you know they're practicing Monday a lot of people will be drinking beer and celebrating the holiday the end of summer however you want to do it I the Bengals will be working and I'll be Lingering outside Paycor Stadium and inside, like you said, so uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked that off you see T back on Monday because it is a, a game week. Worst case, you know, I, I would say Wednesday, but, but Monday kind of feels like the natural target day. But like you said, I think they're going to give him as much time as he needs. And speaking of guys that have looked great, I know he's coming off of that shoulder surgery this offseason. But he just looks – I know they already have a Jamar Chase, but T. Higgins certainly looks like a, a wide receiver one, no
0: doubt. Well, well, there, there's no doubt. I mean, Higgins on, on most other teams in the league is their number one guy. And and, and really, you, you look at his numbers, you know, since he came into the league, he's played like a number one guy, even with the great numbers that um, Jamar Chase had last year. Um, you're there every day. It's Bengals morning, noon, and night around here. Yeah. As you look at this team, what concerns you about this team?
6: The, the biggest thing is what cost them the Super Bowl. You know, it's that offensive line still, because I, I don't think there's a ton of depth in that room. You get a guy, in Max Sharping, off of waivers from the Texans. I thought that was a huge get, because he gives you some Cordell Volson, Jackson-Carmen insurance there at left guard. He gives you a, a proven player that could back up Alex Kappa if you need him to. He's made 33 starts in this league, uh, 48 appearances in, in three seasons. So, I like that addition. But still, the the offensive line is really what I think could derail the offense. It's certainly not the skill players. It's not Burrow. You're not going to bet against Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. And I think this defense is is really underrated. I, I don't see a huge glaring hole. You know, you could say, oh, well, maybe you want another cornerback. Well, every team wants another yeah. cornerback, right? And then the other thing is I do think situationally, Zach Taylor has struggled in, in certain moments, right? The Packers game week five no last year stands out. The, the San Francisco game at the end of that, taking the ball out of Burroughs' hands. Super Bowl 56, I won't get into detail because everyone knows. Uh, so that's the other part. Does he – and he's gotten better every year to his credit. Does he take another step as a play caller, as a head coach? If so, there aren't really many – you know, stumbling blocks if the offensive line is as good as as they hope it is after their offseason additions.
0: Uh, Jesse Bates, uh, the whole ordeal where he's holding out there for a while, you know, eventually he would sign uh, the one-year deal. He's making almost, I think it's $13 million. Uh, The rookie, Hill, plays great in the preseason. It's the preseason, but I know that everybody's very high on him. Uh, Now that Bates has had a week, week and a half under his belt, uh, is he the shoe-in starter week one? after missing all that time?
6: He is, yes. And that's why I think it was key for him to come back when he did. If he was going to show up on, say, Tuesday or Monday, because Monday's a workday for the Bengals, if he was going to show up then, can you really throw him out there for 60-plus snaps against the Pittsburgh Steelers? It's pretty unrealistic. And considering uh, it it would be – kind of detrimental to him to do that because he's hoping to have the best season of his career and get a big, fat contract in Mm -hmm. March. I anticipated him coming and showing up at some point, and I think he did it in just enough time for him to get his football legs under him, so to speak. He showed up in great shape. But, yeah, I expect him to start. I also expect to see a lot of Dax Hill because you're right, he played great. And obviously, we know the athleticism and uh, everything like that is versatility. But the thing that uh, he's impressed the coaches with and the reason I think he's going to be an instant contributor is mentally he's been able to, to digest everything that they're asking him to do because he's not going to just play one spot like like Jesse Bates is where he's just playing that deep safety role. He's going to move in the nickel cornerback spot and free up Mike Hilton at, time, at times. He's going to guard Pat Fryermuth week one and, and other opposing tight ends and, and kind of move all around the field. And so uh, the fact that he's been able to digest all of that, take it all in, and he's playing fast. I think they're confident that he could be a big contributor this season, even though they are locked in with their two starting safeties with Jesse Bates and Von Bell.
0: All right. I I want to hit two more topics before I let you go. Number one, um, Kevin Huber. Uh, I have to tell you, I I thought this was the year uh, after having Chrisman hanging around last year on the practice squad. I thought this would be the year that uh, Chrisman takes over that position. Uh, it didn't happen. Christmas sitting on the practice squad. I'd bet the ranch they lose him uh, within the next two or three weeks. I can't believe he wasn't picked up by Buffalo just the other day with all the drama and, and the terrible situation or accusations anyway going on there with their punter. But uh, were you surprised Huber is back as the main guy this year?
6: Uh, a bit, yeah, I was to, to a degree because you're right. I thought that they brought – Chrisman in for a reason last year and they wanted to have a competition last year. And so when they bring him back, they re-sign Huber after the draft. It just kind of felt like, yeah, you might want to just get younger in that room. And Chrisman played really well. And the thing that I thought w- might hold him back was holding on on Evan McPherson field goal mm-hmm. attempts. And Chrisman was a great holder. There was no issues. He improved at that a lot since last year when he was a rookie. So. Yeah, I, I thought Chrisman might have the edge. It was hard to handicap, though. It wasn't like the left guard spot where it felt like Volson kind of took that job and ran with it. It was really close, neck and neck. And I think it came down to they trust Kevin Huber to, to get that ball inside the 20. And Drew Chrisman did not overwhelm them enough to, to go against the veterans. So a bit of a surprise. At the same time, you're right, the fact that they were able to keep Chrisman on the practice squad, at least for now. Is a win that, that could change in a, in a hurry, though. Yeah, I,
0: yeah I, I, I think it's going to change in a hurry. Okay, the, the last thing I want to ask you about, um, because you, you've not only done a phenomenal job covering the Bengals with Sports Illustrated, doing a lot of radio here in town, but you were up in Cleveland for a little while. Um, and 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 I have no doubt that you're in tune with everything going up there in the Browns, not like you are with the Bengals because you're here every day. But, but sure. can, can you put into words, uh, James Rapine, um, what the feel is at all right now up in Cleveland? We know everything that's gone on with the quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Jacoby Brissett is going to start the year. They ship off uh, Baker Mayfield to Carolina. Strangely enough, it's Mayfield against the Browns in week one. I mean, who would have ever believed that, right? <laughs> but, but what's a vibe you're getting if there is such a thing out of Cleveland right now?
6: A lot of fans are, are certainly torn. You know, you, you got a lot of the fan base that's all in. They understand the talent that Deshaun Watson is, and we've seen that jersey with all the lists of quarterbacks. And, and so there are that side of things. There's that. At the same time, I think there are also a lot of fans that are like, "Really? That's that's the route you went? You gave him a fully guaranteed contract to get him here because he was going to go to Atlanta?" I, I think that's pretty clear. Deshaun Watson just told the browns ag you're out and then they said we're going to give you a fully guaranteed contract and his agent said oh yeah they call it a max deal in the nba and was bragging about it afterwards and did a great job in getting deshaun Watson that so yeah i think there are certainly people that feel icky about it i would say to, to put it lightly and um and so yeah as far as the the browns are concerned they they have some question marks i mean it's a talented defense on offense they have have some great running backs in in a good offensive line, but will Jacoby Brissett be able to hold the fort down long enough? And will Watson be the Deshaun Watson he was in 2020 after a year and a half, you know, nearly two years after the suspension away from the game? I, I think those are legitimate football question marks. On this, at the same time, obviously the off the field stuff has rubbed some people the wrong way. And let's be honest here: if he goes up there and he wins a bunch of games, I think you know fans will, will slowly forgive him. And, uh, and, and cheer for the Browns again. So, I, you know, I I, I don't necessarily worry about that side of it, but I, I do think that the Browns, they're talented. And uh, October 31st, when the Bengals go up to Cleveland, even with Jacoby Brissett under center, center it should be a uh, uh, an interesting battle for sure.
0: Okay, before I let you get out of here, I, I know you have a huge following on social media, but I'd like you to tell everybody how they can follow you on social media as well as your show you do on a regular basis. It's all about the Cincinnati Bengals. For sure, yeah.
6: Uh, so a couple things. We do Locked on Bengals every single day. It's the only daily Bengals podcast. You can get it wherever you get podcasts, including on YouTube. We do Cincinnati Bengals talk on YouTube, where there's a bunch of different shows, videos from the stadium, one-on-one interviews with players. Uh, Joe Goodberry does the show on Tuesday nights, At least Jesse on Thursday nights, and then allbengals.com for all the, the writing element there, which is uh, you know, it's, uh, I try to make that a one-stop shop, but now we have these other things going too. So we try to cover the Bengals from every angle for sure. And then the social media aspect on Twitter at James Rupin.
0: James, great stuff. I mean, uh, nobody covers the Cincinnati Bengals. If anybody out there wants to know what's going on with the Bengals, I mean, it, it's not my show. It's not anybody else's show. It, it, it's not, I mean, you're the guy when it comes to covering the Cincinnati Bengals. So, uh, Continued success. Love to have you uh, back on and uh, enjoy this final weekend before your life turns absolutely insane uh, through hopefully February again.
6: Yeah, it was a long season last year. I'm, I'm ready to go. If it's going to be a long one again, I, I appreciate you having me, Tom. And anytime, just reach out. I'll jump on.
0: All right, James. Thank you so much. James Rapine from Sports Illustrated. Thanks. And you know where to find him now on uh, social media. Very kind of him. Uh, to join us here today. That guy's on his game, man. I mean, he is on his game. All right. Um, Coming up next, we're going to have... Look, I I, I think you could make the argument. You could certainly make the argument. Not I think. You could make the argument that he's the most well-known sportscaster of all time. All time. And that's Brent Musburger. Um, What a career. Whether it was at CBS, ABC, SEC Network, was a writer, he's done it all. So when we come back, the great Brent Musburger, right here on Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, presented by UDF. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I made the comment early in the show that I think the argument could be made that Brent Musburger has had the greatest career of any sports broadcaster of all time. I mean, we're talking going back to 1973 when he starts at CBS Sports, right? was one of the original members and the primary host of the NFL Today. Uh, The basketball tournament, Super Bowls, NBA Finals, World Series, U.S. Open Tennis, the Masters, uh, NASCAR, World Cup, uh, Belmont Stakes, horse racing, you name it. This guy has done it. And uh, it is a pleasure and an honor to be joined by the great Brent Musburger, who joins us from his home in Montana. He was born and raised, or not born, but was raised in Montana And Brent, how is retirement treating you, young man?
1: (laughs) I uh, stay retired uh, for exactly one more week. And then I fly down to Las Vegas and Brent Musburger's countdown to kickoff, sponsored by DraftKings, goes up on the air on the opening Sunday of the, the, listen, retirement was great. I loved hanging out with – listen, my favorite experience of the summer, I went to two minor league baseball games, one up in Kalispell and one the other night up in Missoula. They're called the Paddleheads. And yep. you're being a time uh, a great baseball guy. You know how much fun they have at, uh, at minor league baseball games. I mean, I was uh, the guest of the, the sponsor of the home run hitter of the night and uh, the $5 beer – you get to buy it for a buck if he hits a home run. He, well, he's single. They lowered the price for a glass of beer to four bucks. I was one of the first in line. You know what I'm saying? I, look I believe party.
0: me, Brent. I know what you're yeah. saying. You know, it's funny you bring that up because <laughs> I have been doing a show all year long. I don't know if you know this or not, but I've been doing a show all year long on the Pioneer League. And, and, and so I've had a chance to visit. Missoula, the Paddleheads there. Jason Newman's at, probably the home run hitter you're talking about because he, he set an all-time yes. record this year. And, uh, and yes. I went to Great Falls, and I went to Billings, Montana. And uh-huh. uh, that's a phenomenal league. Uh, phenomenal it league. Is. Tell me it about, tell me about what you're doing in Vegas because you started your company there a number of years ago. You eventually sold it, as you just mentioned, to DraftKings. But, but what's your role now? What are you doing in Vegas?
1: Uh, well, I will do the show, Countdown to Kickoff, on uh, on Sundays. And then, uh, you know, I'll spend days of, as a guest of some of the others. Sh- it's VSIN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, and the growth, the growth, Tom, of that has been phenomenal. When we started it, and believe me, it was my nephew, Brian, who really, he was the main force behind the development of VSIN. But remember, the only state where there was really betting on sports going on was in Nevada, but Brian thought there was going to be great growth because there was too much illegal money being bet off. And of course, the Supreme Court legalized it for the state of New Jersey, and we've gone from there. I think did you tell me that Ohio will start at the first of the year yep. with legalized yep. sports betting? Is that what you told me?
0: Yeah, and, and and I've read, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've read that of all the states that, that, that either have already legalized sports gambling, or are about to by the start of 2023, that Ohio, they're expecting to, to to bring in the biggest numbers of any state so far. I don't know if that's true or not, but yes, that's when we start here.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be one of the biggest. Uh, it's always hard for anybody to overcome the state of New York because it's a population right sure. now. New York and New Jersey are at the top of the list, and Nevada comes in at a distant third, uh, but Ohio will be huge. It, it will be bigger than Nevada because of the interest in sports. I mean, imagine how many millions of dollars are going to be bet on this week's Notre Dame-Ohio oh, State game. Yeah. Uh, being played up in Columbus. The excitement, the excitement about the Buckeyes, of course, is drawing money uh, coast to coast. Uh, everybody thinks they've got a chance to displace Georgia as the uh, national champion. Obviously, we'll see because... Alabama will always be formidable, but but you're right. Uh, Ohio will be huge because uh, you have those great pro teams. I right, listen. Were you Bengals in Cincinnati when you think about it? A year ago, Tom, jumping from last to first mm-hmm. in the division. Now, if you go back historically, and John Breach, the uh, son of the former Bengal kicker, uh, did some outstanding research for CBS Sports on this. Uh, believe it or not. Almost every year, there is a team that jumps from last to first in one of the eight divisions in the uh, NFL, and he was touting the Ravens this year, and I don't disagree with that. Uh, believe it or not, the uh, Super Bowl hangover, as Bengal fans are about to find out, it's real. Statistically, when you lose the Super Bowl, there are untold problems that just jump up unexpectedly the following year. Uh, You go back over the last few years and look at the teams that lost in the Super Bowl. And so we shall see. The Bengals are going to have their hands full. They opened with Pittsburgh, as you know, at home. I have about six-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, That's a lot of points in a division game to give the Steelers. The Steelers Mm -hmm. still have some good defensive personnel. Uh, We have to wait and see if Mitch Trubisky is really an improved quarterback, as uh, the gossip was coming out of Buffalo where he was a backup last year, and maybe Coach DeBole was able to coach him up a little bit. We shall see.
0: Uh, You know, I want to ask you a a little bit, Brent, about gambling and and how it is all of a sudden almost on about face overnight in in regard to its quote unquote acceptance, if you will, in professional sports. Uh, Somebody asked me this question when I was a guest on a show the other day uh, during my 25 years at Fox announcing the NFL. Did anyone at Fox ever say to me, hey, look, you can't get into those numbers and the over under or somebody just covered the spread and blah, blah, blah. You, from time to time, would do those kinds of things. And and I think everybody loved it because... It was just laying it out there what everybody and his brother is thinking. I recall if I'm not mistaken, and I don't have to get into details of the game, because, but but I think you were doing an Ohio Northwestern game. Northwestern, your alma mater. Something crazy happened at the end, and it led to the over under or somebody covering the spread. You made a comment about it. Point I'm getting at now is, have you always been in in uh, interested in the gaming part of sports? Or is that just something that you saw as a business opportunity that, that now has led for you what it is?
1: No, I, I think I was always interested, Tom. I, uh, from my days with Jimmy the Greek on the NFL today, I was a bit of a novice. I had traveled as a baseball writer in uh, Chicago and then as a columnist. Uh, late in the season, they would always assign me to the best uh, race coming down the stretch. And many times it was the Dodgers were involved with Don Dryasdale, Sandy Koufax, and that great team uh, going forward. But I would always stop in Las Vegas on the way into Los Angeles. And uh, I was a novice. Uh, Certainly no uh, details like I do now, but I would always go into the old books. And they weren't part of the casinos back in the day. And that's why Jimmy the Greek first back in the 60s. And he educated me on what I just... Thought especially at the professional level. I there's a difference between professional and college, and I think people be aware of that. That that it was a driving force. The National Football League wouldn't admit it, and obviously, when you look around and you see all of the ads now for the different gaming companies, including DraftKings, you know how big an opportunity it was for the NFL to cash in on commercials. But I they were denying uh, how big it was. Uh, behind the growth of the National Football League. And it's not necessarily just point spreads. It was office pools, uh, people picking winners every week. And I thought, you know, this is a big part of this game, whether or not they want to admit it or not. And so most of the time, when I would refer to that at networks, they would look the other way. However, there there was a guy at CBS Sports at the day, and we would always be on the scene at the at the NFC championship game because CBS covered the NFC back in that era of the NFL today. And on the championship, i tell the Greek at halftime, I would say, Jimmy, call your friends in Las Vegas and get me the spreads on what would be the Super Bowl. Now if the AFC had gone first, it was going to be easy because we had the winner. But I said if they go second, give me the give me the spread on both those teams. And when I went off the air, I would always give this was the spread of the of the Super Bowl. Not that everybody in America was going to bet on it, but everybody in America was always interested in that number. Mm-hmm. What do the number people think? And I always knew I would get a call on Monday, and and Pilson would say, "You can't do that." Da 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 da. He was always just scared of the phone call from the NFL. I said, "I would apologize." Gee, I forgot. And of course, the next year I would do it all over again. You know, I mean, that's you know, I, I it, it led to me having problems with executives from time to time. But but I always was you don't know what you're talking about and you're scared of your shadow and you should stand up pete Rosell. now this is interesting because jimmy the greek and Pete Roselle and i along with bob wessler who preceded Pilson, and was a great head that uh, he's the one who he, listen bob wessler is the guy who brought in a miss america phyllis george she was the most prominent early uh, woman in mm-hmm. television that she preceded all of these sideline gals and uh, jimmy the greek he brought in the uh, the second year of the show. But anyway, we had a meeting and it went very well. I I knew that Pete Rosell understood what the hell was going on because I always found him at the racetrack and uh, he never missed the Kentucky Derby. (laughs) And anybody who goes to racetracks uh, understands numbers, (laughs) uh, knows how important it is. So this is going to be fine. So we went to the meeting and it was clear he approved to Jimmy the Greek being on the NFL. They had no problem. But then at the end, he said, I'm going to ask you guys for one favor. Now, when the commissioner says favor, I know, oh, here comes the order. What's it going to be? He said, listen, I prefer that you guys didn't say plus three, minus ten, uh, plus seven uh, in your discussion of the various games. And so, oh, yeah, sure, of course, uh, no problem. But on the way back, we said, now what the hell are we going to do? And uh, that's how we developed the Jimmy the Greek board, and we would check up. And, it, and if the Greek had an advantage of about four or five check marks, you know that he was uh, – solidly behind that team. So so that obviously has led to the growth. And I I think it's healthy. Now, full disclosure, and I tell everybody, especially youngsters, be careful. If you think you are year in and year out gonna beat those numbers, you are crazy, mm-hmm. okay? You're not gonna do it. I know only a handful of people who have ever come close to making a good living out of betting on sports. If you wanna do it for entertainment, and you've got some dollars that you can afford, uh, go ahead and do it. But if you think you're going to be the guy who breaks the bank with the bookmakers and the computers and these numbers, you're not going to. I'll give you an example. Uh, A week ago, I played Northwestern uh, over in Dublin in that game against Mm -hmm. Nebraska because we have a guy, Steve Mackinnon, mobility index. And it goes about, you know, returning coaches, head coaches, coordinators, quarterbacks, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, et cetera, et cetera. And his stability index actually made Northwestern a team to bet on against Nebraska. So, look, I was feeling like I was the smartest guy in the world, so I won it. But last night I came back getting the three and a half points on Purdue at home. I thought, Mm -hmm. well, that's decent against Penn State, even though the Nittany Lions have dominated. Well, the Nittany Lions win that game by four. So I'm 1-1 one and one on the season so far, and I just want everybody to know that those numbers are good, you know? I mean, those guys have a reason for, for putting them up. You're going to give a couple of touchdowns if you want the Buckeyes this week against Notre Dame. Yeah, The money's going to come in on the Buckeyes, there's no doubt about it. Now, uh, just to tell everybody out there, the stability rating does favor the Buckeyes, okay? Uh, there's a lot of change at Notre Dame. New coach, so that's zero on the head coach. New quarterback, so that's zero there on the quarterback. Whereas over on the other side, uh, you've got the Buckeyes with eight points already, returning head coach, returning quarterback. So, so those are the things. And do it for recreation. Do it. Uh, you can get in trouble. Uh, a gambling addiction is a very difficult addiction to overcome, and you hurt the people around you. So, I, I always, I always, Tom, warn people about that.
0: Brent, I want to ask you a couple things about your career. D-
1: did you coin sure. the
0: term March Madness?
1: Yeah, now, no, I'll tell you how that came about, and and it was not, had nothing to do with the um, with the college tournament. To tell you're you, you're kidding. I was working. I was working in Chicago, like I said, I was a columnist for the um, Chicago's America, and there was a the college. Um, tournament was not nearly as big when I started back in the 60s as a writer, okay? The, but the but the high school uh, basketball tournaments in the various states, I mean, Indiana, legendary, legendary, covered that tournament. But downstate Illinois was huge, huge. And there was a Ford dealer in Chicago by the name of Jim Moran, and he bought ads in the uh, Chicago's American, and he called it March Madness. And, and he would always, he would have a special on uh, a sale on certain Ford cars during the uh, downstate high school basketball tournament. And he would he would always applaud the teams from Chicago. The African-American schools were just, now becoming prominent in the 60s. And we sent some down, downstate, down into Champaign. And a couple of them were able to come back with state championships and Jim Moran. But he always used the title over the ads of March Madness. And so... I then went to CBS and we took the tournament away from NBC and I was not the play-by-play guy. I was a studio host when it began at night. We actually had a board up where I moved uh, cardboard names of teams as they advanced and everything. And uh, we had a couple of late night, great shootouts out West and things. And, and I just, uh, I said, folks, this is madness. This is March madness. But the term stuck with me coming out of Chicago. Well, So the NCAA, uh, they go to get a copyright on it down down the road because everybody started to use it. Mm -hmm. Well, the state of Illinois, the high school state, sued them. And so the attorneys from the NCAA came to me and I said, listen, let me me tell you the truth. I said, if you depose me or you take me to court on a trial, I am going to tell them that it did not come from NCAA basketball. It came from the Illinois State High School school basketball tournament and the attorneys were very nice from the ncaa they they understood completely what the situation was and so they paid uh it was never as far as i know it wasn't ever made public but the NCA actually paid the uh, state high school association illinois uh for the term march madness but as far as i tell uh it came from jim moran the old the old card in chicago that's uh, that's the story of it
0: um If there was a Hall of Fame designated for uh, just just being a writer, uh, you'd be in it. If there was a Hall of Fame designated for a studio host, you'd be the all-timer, number one. If there was a a Hall of Fame for being a play-by-play guy in sports, you're in it right at the top of the list. I'm curious, and, and, and we haven't spent a lot of time together, but we, we've crossed our paths have crossed, especially when you were sure. doing the Raiders games for a couple of years. I'm curious sure. for a guy who went, and, and I find this amazing because I was only a play-by-play guy. I did a little bit of studio work and uh, NBC affiliate in Cincinnati when I was getting started. But, but I am always just amazed by the guys that are able to do the studio at, at, at your level, do the play-by-play at your level, which of those, Brent, at the end of the day, if you were given the same amount of money to do all three, which of those three would you have chosen to do?
1: Uh, tell me, it would depend on how old I was um, uh, when I was young and uh, making a name for myself. I the studio was great. Uh, there was there's no question about it. But I always knew in the back of my mind that it was going to be kind to move down the road uh i i think the studio belongs to younger announcers uh that you can try them out and uh you, you test their knowledge you see exactly what they know and uh then then they evolve into the uh into the booth uh like I, I would recommend that for for almost every broadcaster i think it's i think it is it's very good and it teaches you just dis- when you work when you work the studio you get a chance to listen to a lot of voices, and you get a chance to watch a lot of broadcasts, and and you see, for example, now, uh, my my main criticism of of announcers and nothing to do with play-by-play guys. I mean, for yourself and all the guys who who've done games through the years, outstanding, outstanding. You can't, but analysts talk too much, and uh, they they think that every play. Uh, you have to break it down and give all these facts and numbers. And no, no, you don't. Uh, they don't realize that since I started when, when NFL and all these other games really evolved into the biggest thing on television, people, people are far more knowledgeable than they think they are. Uh, they've been watching these games. And I know that even I will hit that mute button and it had nothing to do with the play-by-play guys, but I'll hit it because I can see what's going on during the game and I don't need every play uh, analyzed for me. And so that would be my main criticism. If, if they would to come to me and say, okay, we want you to, uh, to offer a course to our announcers, that that would be number one. Number two, uh, there's too many numbers. Yep. Listen, when I'm watching, Otani is my favorite Baseball player right now, okay, and, and when he hits a towering home run out of the ball, they don't care what the exit velocity. Absolutely. is. Absolutely, okay, and so you can just lay off some of those numbers. And in that area, you know, play play guys can get carried away with numbers too. I they don't they don't realize um, that the audience out there interested in certain things. Okay, it's his thirtieth home run. Certainly interested in that. I am speaking of him, Tom. You know, and you're, you're a baseball guy. It is it is unbelievable what we're watching. Able to go out there and and work six or seven innings in a in a major league baseball game. If you ask the pitchers that you've been around, they will tell you how tired they are for a couple of days after that. And this guy shows up the next day as a designated hitter, and he's ripping balls into the seats. I mean, I. I never thought in my lifetime that I would see anybody that I could compare to Babe Ruth, who, of course, obviously I didn't see him, and uh, being a pitcher and then the greatest home run hitter of all time in his era. But this guy, this guy is just incredible. And when you watch him in the dugout, when they take the shots of him over there, whether he hits a home run or makes an out, he immediately goes to his iPad and he's studying what the pitcher tried to do to him. So those things are I'm interested in the human beings who mm-hmm. play the games. And I think especially broadcasters have to be mindful of the female audience. They're interested far more in the people than they are in the numbers. I mean, that's – you go back to chat. I'm not being sexist with that comment. I've seen a lot of research, so uh, so I know that.
0: Um, all right, so I'm going to put you on the spot since, since you were talking there- about some of these spreads because we, uh, the two producers – Uh, Brandon Seho and Casey McAllister and I, we're we're picking games every week. We started in college this week. So I'm going to throw three of these at you right now, and you tell me what you think. We've already done our picks today. So Ohio State, last we saw, I think it was 16 or 17, uh, favored over Notre Dame. You like the Buckeyes in that one.
1: Yes, I do. Now, it started at 14 last summer, okay, and the money has come in. And yes, there are seven teams out there right now, minus 17. I do like the Buckeyes because of the stability, but I would not make it a five star at 17. I would have made it a five star. People have to understand there's a huge difference between 14 and 17, okay? And in the summer, if I had made a bet down in Vegas, like in July, I would have definitely made the minus 14 a five star. So I do like the Buckeyes.
0: Okay. Um, uh, Cincinnati. I don't know how much you pay attention to Cincinnati. They had the great oh, I, run last oh, year. I
1: love this story. Yes. I love this story. Now. So they're Again, going on they're the road
0: and they're yes. playing in Arkansas and Arkansas is a six and a half point favorite
1: there. What do you think? Five star Arkansas. Really? Um, Quarterbacks, they're going to really miss their quarterback. Okay. And they yep. have great, uh, they have great defensive backs. Yep. Uh, good wide receivers, uh, Uh, And Arkansas is on the rise. And that game is down in Arkansas, uh, Razorbacks.
0: Okay. Um, The Utah Utes, they had that fascinating game. What a game. I mean, if you could watch one college football game, just to watch a football game, that that Rose Bowl against Ohio State was just unbelievable. Um, They go on the road. A lot of people think they're a college football playoff contender this year. Uh, they're going to Florida. And that line, I think, is now at three.
1: Well, the stability index of Steve Mackinac says go with the Utes. But he also says be careful of the setting down there in game, uh, games of Gainesville, correct? Yep. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, he said to be careful. On that one, I think I would pass. The stability okay. Uh, they've got a new coach uh, down there at Florida. Napier had a great reputation. Uh, but I would pass on that stability-wise. stability, stability wise, If you want to go with Mackinnon's theories, and, and they're very solid and sound, you would go with the Utes. But that's a tough that's a tough road trip, 12th place to go. I'm passing on that one.
0: Okay, and the last one I'm going to ask you about is uh, the defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. This game will be played in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, number 11 Oregon going down to Atlanta Georgia given 17 points any feel for that one
1: go for Georgia three start not a five but a three at 17 uh stability obviously uh favors the dogs uh on that one Oregon Oregon with approach and someone who is off the Georgia staff by the way yeah so he's gonna know a little bit uh, when he goes down in there but historically, in that kind of a setting, that kind of a situation, the team that he left is going to do very, very well. So I would go with the dogs uh, at home, no question. Okay. Brent,
0: Down I can't south. tell you, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, you, you uh, giving us your time here today. I, I mean, I could sit, and I know our audience could sit, uh, and listen to you talk all day long because there's so many things that that we could talk to you about. But I uh, just want to thank you uh, for being so gracious with your time. Safe travels down to Vegas. Best of luck on everything. If DraftKings wants to have you come on our show every week or anybody else over there, you let us know. We're more than willing to uh, make that happen. But all the best, my friend. God bless you and Godspeed on your travels.
1: Thanks a lot, Tom. Good luck with this uh show of yours and certainly we will we will talk down the road my friend as all the right. football season unfolds and go Buckeyes
0: go Buckeyes <laughs> is right all right I mean how cool is that right that, that you're getting three and, and and four and five star picks for Brett Musburger I mean I gotta tell you I mean I I've been lucky around to be around for a long time and, and, and do a lot of cool things and do a lot of cool events, but I don't know if there's anything that, that just kind of hit me right there. I don't know if it did you. I I mean, Brett Musburger giving you three-star, four-star, and five-star picks on our program. That's really cool. All right, we got our cherry on top, and this one is coming as a surprise to me, okay? And, and, and let me make sure that before we go any further – Okay, that uh, I make sure I tee this up. Uh, It's time for our Cherry on Top segment presented by our great friends, our title sponsor, UDF, United Dairy Farmers, a segment where, um, you know, something a little different. And we throw it your way to close out the show. So, guys, before we go to the video, you guys have seen it. I have not. set the table for me here, one of you or both of you.
2: Well. As a uh, former punter myself, it's not the best uh, punting um, tutorial,
0: but it is fun. And this is from South Carolina State against UCF last night, right? Yep. Okay. Let her rip. UCF's defense for the second time on this opening drive has gotten off the field. Would not anticipate a fake punt on 4th and 19, but I would be wrong. And there is some
2: room. Dyson. (laughs) Dyson. He it late, but from well across the line of scrimmage.
6: On the
1: yeah,
5: if you're confused watching, so are we. That's definitely illegal legal And It looks like
4: he,
1: he almost could have picked it up if he, he would have just, had just a kept chance. running. He had a chance.
5: So, yeah, I think that was just a young player making a mistake. Um, he saw that a defender was
0: close to him. Your okay. face says it all. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to kill this kid. I mean, that is a priceless video. I mean, it's phenomenal. Phenomenal video. Great stuff. That's our cherry on top. Uh, better days ahead for that young man. That's the one thing about you young people. You, you guys get embarrassed and you guys like walk around with it for days at a time. That'll be part of your mental health show. I hope Brandon say, oh,
2: yep. All right. Yep. We have fun though.
0: All right, so um, we're wrapping it up, our first two shows. We thank all of you for joining us. You know, look, I don't know anything about social media. I've never been on it. I've never been a part of it. Um, I've often referred to Twitter as a world of hate. I really have. Um, And look, I'm the one who people could say, you know, what I said was hate, and and we walked through this yesterday. But uh, the reaction we got yesterday, I am told, because I'm so naive when it comes to this, was just fantastic. Fantastic. And we can't say thank you enough. So at Twitter, it's Tom Brenneman TV, correct? And that's the same for Instagram and for Facebook, right? Okay. All right. So we thank you. Your comments, good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, there were a lot of you that, that lit me up yesterday. And you know what? That's okay. It's all right. It's okay. But I'm, I'm going to say what, Brandon, 90-something percent, maybe, if you had to guess. Yep. Okay. Uh, it, it was very positive. Thank you for watching. So on after this big weekend, we're coming back on Monday. We're going to um, tee up things in the NFL with Brian Billick. We have him back. We will talk to Dan Hort again about UC's game. We'll check in with James Rapine hopefully again next week uh, uh, about what's going on and uh, and recap the entire college football week and get ready for the National Football League, which begins the following Sunday. And by the way, our first big interview, which will be each and every Wednesday, Bengals Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz. I'd like to thank all the guys here, Casey McAllister and Brandon Seho, our producers. Uh, Paul Fritschner contributing to the program. Trace Fowler, our executive producer. And look, if you're local and you want to watch high school football, this is a place to be tonight, every Friday night on Chatterbox Sports, starting with game day and leading right into our primary game tonight, and that would be Loveland against Milford. Have a safe and happy Labor Day weekend. God bless you. Take care of yourselves and those are the ones you love. We'll see you next week on Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman.